church. Lord, your name is great and greatly to be praised. God, we honor you with our praise, with our worship, with our hearts lifted up towards heaven, towards you. Knowing that you see everything down here, that you're looking on us, you are here with us. And we praise you, Lord. Long for the day when we will see you face to face. When you return and you come again and we'll be lifted up with you. What an amazing day that will be. We wait in expectation, God. And Lord, we know that you said that we will see trials, that we will have hardships and hurt in this world. And Lord, we look over to Brussels, an act of terror killed innocent people. And Lord, we just want to take a moment to think about them, their families, their lives were changed in a moment, in a moment, and that could happen, we realized every one of us. And there are so many in this world who do not have the hope that we have, who do not have the, the love that we know through you. And God, we pray that through this tragedy, through this situation, that you would make yourself known, that you would reveal yourself to them. And all of those who are worried about what's to come. Because, Lord, looking at the world, that's messed up. There's so much hatred. There's so many things going on. And, Lord, we just pray for them that you would reveal yourself to them, that they would have hope, and they would have the peace that passes understanding through Jesus. And, Lord, we think of Scott and Katie Wiggins today who you sent off years ago, and they're in Kurdistan not real far from ISIS and their family is there, God, and we just pray that you would protect them, that you would cover them as they minister, as they look for opportunities to share your word, to pour into the lives of these Iraqis. And uh, God, I just pray that you would bless their ministry, that you would just cover them, uh, just give them blessing, Lord. And what we don't hear in the news, God, is that you are doing a work in Muslim countries all over the world and Muslims are coming to faith in you because they see something different and they know that you're real. And Lord, we praise you for that. And we want to see more and more of that. So God, let us be a witness where we are here today in our communities and our families as we go. And Lord, we just want to give you all the praise. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, y'all doing well today? Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. It's a good day to be alive, isn't it? Yeah. So we celebrate Easter today, the day that our Lord was risen from the grave. Right? Did y'all do that this morning? You know, we celebrate Easter in some pretty weird ways, I think. Uh, we have this guy called the Easter Bunny. I don't know where he came from, but how many, we got a lot of kids in here. How many of you guys had a visit from the Easter Bunny last night? More, is that all? He doesn't like the rest of you guys, huh? Yeah, did y'all get some candy? Some candy, some good stuff, some chocolate, chocolate, some jelly beans. Did you get the good jelly beans or the bad jelly beans? Because there's a difference. 
There's a difference. I like the Starburst jelly beans. Those are preem. I don't know, these big fat ones that are like, those are nasty. <laughs> they are. So, you know, tell the Easter Bunny he's got to get good jelly beans next year. Or, or Peeps. How many of you guys like Peeps? Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I used to love Peeps. And my sister and I used to take them out of the box as soon as we could, and we'd let them sit there for days so they'd get hard and stale. And that was when they were best. Anybody else like that? Yeah. I don't, nowadays I think they're disgusting. So something happened along the way, but uh, they were pretty nasty. So we do that, we do Easter egg hunts. Did anybody do Easter egg hunts this morning? A couple, they're going to do them today? That's in the plans. Where did that come from? Yeah. See, nobody really knows for sure. The funny thing is my, my boys are all kind of old now, and they really are, they're too old for that kind of thing. But when they have the lure of the candy inside the eggs, it doesn't matter how old they are. They just, they want to go and find the eggs so they can get the candy. It's crazy. But anyway, I'm digressing. We are celebrating Easter today, and I loved the, I saw something on Facebook yesterday, Lisa, that you shared, Bella had said, she said, Mom, Easter isn't all about the eggs. It's about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. So she gets it. She's five. I thought that was awesome. But we have these traditions on Easter. We do the Easter bunny, uh, Easter egg hunt. A lot of us come to church, and we, you can sense in the atmosphere, like something is different. People are excited. Like, what is it? What is it about this day that speaks to the hearts of so many people? What, what's the big deal? What difference does it make that someone who died over 2,000 years ago and supposedly was resurrected? Like, how does that affect us today? How is that relevant to us here and now? Right? 2,000 years ago, how, what is that going to do in my life? And I want you to know that everything about Christianity, everything about Christianity falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If he was not raised from the dead, oh, we are so pitiful and dumb, right? Then the whole idea of Christianity is a joke. It's a joke. And sorry, poor us for believing in this thing, if that were true, right? And Paul, the apostle, even says this, if you read with me, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Wow. Right? 
know, we look at Christianity, a lot of us, and we think, oh, there's good rules to live by, do's, don'ts, this is good, love of Jesus, it, it comforts me, it gives me peace, but it's so much more than that. Now, keep in mind, the guy who wrote this, the Apostle Paul, was a guy who grew up in Judaism. He went up through all the levels. He's a Pharisee of, like, the highest order. He had money. He had status. He had respect. He had all this stuff. He went and persecuted Christians because he thought they were talking blasphemy about God. And on the way, as he was doing that, he was approached by the risen Savior, wasn't he? And he changed. His life was changed. He threw all that away, and he traded it for poverty. He was beaten and bruised. He was stoned. He was imprisoned multiple times. This is a guy that did this. He was ultimately martyred for his faith and killed. So think about that. So if there wasn't a resurrection, he is talking like, what a pity for this guy and for all of us who believe in this. But he goes on in verse 20. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. And then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. So we'll be resurrected with him. That's the hope that we have, that we will be resurrected as he was. And because of his resurrection, we can have confidence that we will be resurrected with him. That we will be resurrected with Christ. And what a joy that is, isn't it? So, you know, we believe in the resurrection, but what evidence do we have that that happened? Really? I mean, this happened 2,000 years ago, right? How do we know that this really happened? And I'm going to, we're going to go through a few non-comprehensive, non-exhaustive reasons. You know, there's always more. But number one in your notes is the empty tomb. The tomb was empty, wasn't it? That's right. And even though the Jewish leaders, they went to the Roman authorities and they said, his followers are going to try to take his body. You need to do something to make sure that that doesn't happen. So they put soldiers out in front. They had a big stone in front. And what happened? God, yeah, he rose, the angels came, the stone is rolled away, the guards were knocked out, slept, I don't know what happened, but there was no body to be found. Nobody can explain that. Number two was the post-mortem appearances that we just heard about when our little guys were up here and reading the scripture for us. He showed himself to at least 500 of his followers after his resurrection. They were witnesses to this. And the interesting thing is that James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, that we have been studying about, he wrote the epistle we've been studying about over the last years, he did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God until after the resurrection. Did you know that? And he became a leader in the church and was ultimately martyred for his faith. We have the conversion of Saul, who, again, we just talked about that. That is a huge testimony right there. We have the boldness of the disciples. You remember reading through the Gospels? These guys were timid. They were dumb. A lot of them, they just said dumb stuff. They did dumb things. But man, when 
Jesus rose again, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with boldness and with power. Right? They were completely changed, transformed. We have the testimony of these guys. These guys are ones who went all over the known world at that time, planting churches, preaching the kingdom, and things happened. These guys were also persecuted. They were martyred. Many of them were crucified. Some were killed with a spear, a sword. Bartholomew was believed to have been skinned alive and then crucified. You don't do that kind of stuff if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? And this is all historians that have showed this. And then the explosion of Christianity. In the middle of persecution, in the middle of being thrown in the arenas, in the middle of being rounded up and killed, Christianity flourishes. That's not going to happen if this thing is not real. And last, and this is what we're going to focus on today, is transformed lives. Now we saw that back in the day, the disciples saw the Christians back then, but we still see that today. God transforms lives. He transforms people, and that is the evidence of the resurrection today. So I'm going to read from Romans chapter 6. Verses 4 through 7. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Sin no longer controls us. Christ has set us free from its power. Amen? We're given a new spirit. He puts his spirit into us. And while we talked about in these last few weeks, we have this fleshly body with the sinful nature that wrestles. When we're resurrected, he's going to give us new bodies. So this new nature, this new spirit he has with the resurrected bodies, we will be free of sin once for all. Praise God for that. But Jesus talks about this with Nicodemus. Remember the story in John chapter 3. He says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He said that humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And when you acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior, you're given a new spirit. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. A new life has begun. And it says Romans 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. By changing the way that you think. So it's not just about Christmas to the resurrection. That's not all it is. Christianity is so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's about lives that are transformed with the hope that we will be resurrected with him. And the evidence of his resurrection today is in transformed lives. And we're going to share some of that in a little bit. Just a little bit. But God changes us into new people. So when we receive Christ as he is Lord and Savior, we are justified before God. We are justified before God. We have a new standing with God. We're declared not guilty. Not guilty. Even though we deserve it, we're declared not guilty. And we are justified by faith. 
But there's also something that's called regeneration. And regeneration is God bringing to life the dead capacity within us to love him. And that is an awesome thing. It's the transformation of a believer through union with Christ. I just saw... John Filter posted something on, I don't, I don't hang out on Facebook that much, okay, you guys? But he posted something, I just noticed a couple things, and it, it was so relevant, but Ravi Zacharias, I don't know if you've heard his name, he's a brilliant mind. But he was talking about an atheistic journalist, his name was Matthew Parrish, and I think he did some things in Africa, this is what Africa, right? And he wrote for one of the London papers or magazines, but he said, I have come to a conclusion that staggers me. And this is an atheist saying this. I've come to a conclusion that staggers me. The impact of the missionaries with their message of Jesus Christ in its redemptive foundation seems to be the only thing that has effectively worked in order to change the hearts of some against the other in their antipathy and hostility to each other. Only Jesus can change hearts. Amen? And you know, when we look at the, the problems of the world, the, the racism, the divisions, the problems in the inner cities, families breaking up, ISIS, all that stuff, we're not going to solve those issues politically. It does not require a political solution, but it requires Jesus changing the hearts of lives. Amen? That is the only way that we're going to see something incredible happen with that is when hearts are changed. And this happens through Christ living in us. Colossians 1.27, Paul says that Christ lives in you. And we all have a story, don't we? We all have a story. And today, I want to share the evidence of some transformed lives with you. So I'm going to call up Bob and Lori Oni up here. You guys met these guys? Aren't they awesome? Go ahead and come up. I'm going to move this. All right. Nervous? A little bit. All right. So you did some armed robbery. You did some time for... Uh, that didn't happen. Wasn't a good thing. <laughs> if you remember uh, Bob Oni, he stood at uh, the end of our 21-day awakening our fast and he shared from his heart but there's a, a whole journey up to that point and you shared a little bit back then about what life was like why don't you share some of your beginnings and how you were feeling uh, from childhood and then and pretty much <clears throat> you have to forgive me my voice is gone uh, pretty much it's been a tough road for me and my brothers really uh grew up with her mother being in a wheelchair and she had passed when I was 14 and at that point in my life it was tough I was angry bitter didn't understand didn't want nothing to do with the Lord and I would not have it I was so angry when after people that I shouldn't have I was lost lost with my soul lost with the hand of God, and I had no direction, no path to go to. I knew I wanted something different, 
we had been put into a situation where uh, we lived with our uh, biological father. His um, family was Catholic. And by that point on, I was still angry with the Lord. And that even made me more angry that I had to go to church and had to listen to it seven days a week. But I knew, I knew who the Lord was, but I was still angry, hurt, cried inside my soul, my heart. Just didn't feel it. I stayed lost. And uh, went into the service. Uh, and got married and was a Lutheran. I was still angry. Drank. Just was uh, sad inside. Didn't have no direction again. Still lost that chain. The chain that I had when I, this all first started. I knew I wanted to be together with the Lord. My brothers, they longed for what I did. The family, the togetherness, the love of the Lord, the arms of the Lord around you. And then I met my wife, Lori, and she knew that I was lost and I was angry and I would have none of it. And from that point on, we tried church a few times, and I still didn't move forward. I was stuck. I was frozen in the ground. Okay, so just this last year, you had some things happen mm-hmm. in your life. Why don't you share with, with people about that? Um, let's see. Well, we, uh, I was like 198 pounds. I was down. I was sad. I cried a lot. Um, we were, we always wondered what we, how we were going to make ends meet, paycheck to paycheck. Um, things just didn't work out. And when I started to lose my weight, um, I lost 62 pounds in between that time. I was happier. I would look in the mirror. That's a lot of weight. Yep. 62 pounds. I would look in the mirror and actually say, wow, I am beautiful, you know. And uh, I uh, decided that, you know, that was it. It was time. And I went to him, and I said, I want to go to church. And he said, go ahead and go. I'm like, okay. So I did. I went by myself. And then the second time, I went again. And I said, well, I'm going to church. He said, go ahead and go. The third time, he did it again. And I, the fourth time, I was not going to ask him. So I didn't ask. I'm like, okay, I'm not asking you. You just don't want to go. So, But I just kept going. And I got up. I took a shower and got ready. He's like, what time is church? I said, well, I'm leaving here at 930. Do I got time to get ready? I said, yep. So he decided he was going to go with me. And uh, from that point on, we stepped in foot in here, and we felt like this is our family. You know, and that's pretty much it. Awesome. Awesome. So when was, when did that first happen? That was last year? Um, September. September, no, September for me, October for him. Okay, okay. you always used to sit in the back. Yep, we sat all the way in the back, and mm-hmm. then one day when Bob came, Pastor John was here, and he said, we're going to do something different, and he whispered in my ear, he said, watch this. So he, uh, Bob, Bob and I were way, way in the back, and he says, Lori, watch this. I'm like, okay. He's like, today we're going to preach from the back. So everybody's going to turn their seats. 
And, uh, and Pastor John looked at Bob and winked at him, and Bob's like, oh. <laughs> right, right in front of him. There he was right in front of me. New front row. <laughs> it was the front guy instead yep. of the back guy. That was awesome. And then you shared on the, at the end of the 21-day fast, that was a moment of breakthrough where God just did something. Why don't you share about that, what happened? Well, from the point on, from coming to church and getting to know people, you know, I was convinced and I was listening to the message every Sunday. And the 21-day awake, I didn't know what it was. 20-day fasting, don't eat, give things up, don't don't swear, you know, don't eat a candy bar, whatever, and which was terrible. But, uh, um, you know, I listened. Um, I asked myself, what can I give up? Well, I suppose there's a laundry list, but I didn't know what I wanted to give up. I didn't know until the 21st day. 21st day was my 21 day awake all in one day when I walked through the doors there was a circle and it was the chairs and the speaker was in in the middle but for me uh, it was the Lord telling me that I have my arms around you right now this is my circle of love for you and this is time to let go I thought I had this goosebump feeling I'm like boy 33 years later this is going to happen let's get it done you know but I didn't know what I was doing I sat down um, a young lady named uh, Amy had talked about how she got here I was inspired right off right off the get go I got up and I hugged her I didn't say a word to her I just put her up against me I hugged her and it wasn't me hugging her I'm sure of it I'm sure it was the Lord working through me. And uh, I stood up, and I grabbed a microphone, and I said, I'm a sinner, which I am a sinner today. And I didn't realize what the 21-day awake thing for me was. It was letting go, letting go of my anger, my frustration, my bitterness, my selfishness, not understanding I told the Lord, I said, I lost my chain to you, and I didn't know where to get it. I didn't know where I lost it, but I want it back. Please show me the way. I'll do whatever I can. I'll be your tool. Just use me. And it didn't matter. I didn't know what I got myself into using being a tool, but it didn't matter at that point because I was free. I was free from how I felt for 33 years. My heart was solid. My emotions were stable. I was grounded. And it just overcame me. And I felt part of something. I felt ten times better. And the Lord heard me. And I felt I finally understood. If this is a 21-day awake, let's do it again. I was ready for some more. Yeah. And you uh, you shocked Lori in the process. Oh. When, you, when you stood up and... You said you didn't know that he yes. stood up and... Yeah, um, yeah actually, I, he did. Um, we were sitting in front, and my daughter Haley was sitting next to us. And she went, Mom, Dad's up there. And I'm like, what? And all I heard was, good morning, church. And I quick did a 360. And uh, he's, he's just like, 
I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I lost my mom when I was 14, and the tears were just rolling down my face. And Pastor John was like right there. He's like, it's okay, it's okay. He's doing great. So, yeah, he shocked me quite a bit. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you guys now, these guys are like offering to help, to serve in like whatever way that is needed. Like you guys are just amazing. Like, like do you want to share, like why do you do that? Why do you want to put so much of yourself into, into this here? Because that's the way God created us. I think we finally realize that, you know, Jesus died on the cross for us, and it was our time to give back, our time to use be used as a tool as we use him to make us feel better and to want to be part of a family. And if we do one thing that builds that ladder, then we're going to do it. And it doesn't matter if you usher. And uh, we did connection classes with... <clears throat> Bill Kerwin, um, that also helped, but you wanted more. Faith in action is where we kind of landed up and yeah. a trustee type thing, and we just felt whole. We felt grounded. Yeah. This is our family. Awesome. We all have your back, and you got ours, and we know it. We feel good. Any going back for you guys? Do you regret any of this? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. The only thing I do regret is not coming sooner. Mm. Doing it sooner. Cool. Can we give them a hand? Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to recognize uh, Bill Kerwin and Judy Opgenors. Do you guys want to just stand up? Come on, Judy. You love. Go ahead. These guys have taken these two aside, and they have discipled and mentored them and poured themselves into them. You talk about being a family. There's so much in discipleship and just training each other, helping each other to to grow in God, to teaching them about life. And I think they have come so much further than they would have had they not had those relationships with you guys. So thank you so much. All right, we got Candy Shulk. Who's nervous? Come on. Can we give her a hand as she comes up? I don't think they're allowed. Uh, you, you, you can't whisper. Yeah, I can. No. You can you hear me? Okay? Can you hear me? All right. All right. She was a little nervous? Yeah. That's good. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Are you going to look at me the whole time? You're going to... No, I'm going to look at you. Okay. <laughs> you guys just, just have to deal with it. So you've been Southside for about 10 years now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about 10. Yeah. Everybody know Candy? Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty awesome, isn't she? Yeah, she puts on this real hard exterior, but she's just a... Just a... A marshmallow inside. <laughs> I'm going to get it for that. All right. You have had a uh, very different life growing up than what you have today. Yeah. Um, I want you to share what that was like. Well, my dad was a, a paranoid schizophrenic, so um, there was always chaos in the home. 
um, we grew up Baptist, so um, we went to church. We lived Jesus, kind of. Um, but there was always chaos. It was always, um, you know, just a total mess. You put that stupid church face on, like everything's okay. Yeah, you shared that you guys are known well in the church, right? Your family? Yeah, we kind of had, um, you know, a name. You know, our name was like when you say Kerwin or you know, Niedermeyer or something like that. You recognize those people. I honor them. <laughs> okay. So, you had the name recognition, you were respected, obviously, or your family was, mm -hmm. but you had a different life at home. Very different. Very different. Very different. But back in those days, um, what happens at home stays at home. You don't share it and the church doesn't necessarily want to know what's going on, that means they have to fix that. Okay, so you had a hard time at home, and there was abuse? Um, yeah, my dad was, being a schizophrenic, he was always, you know, physically or verbally abusive to all of us. I mean, there's eight of us, so... Take your pick, who right, got it? Yeah, I'm the baby. So you, early in age, you started looking for places to feel fulfilled, to, or maybe to get away and escape? More getting away. Okay. More um, just trying to find that love that you don't have at home because it's a mess. Mm -hmm. So you do what you need to do. So why don't you share it a little bit? We'll keep it up here. Okay. Because it's family service. But um, just some of the things that you were involved in looking to escape. Um, you know, drinking, drugs, guys, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, and you said you started smoking and doing drugs when you were... I was pretty young. Like 10, 12. Yeah. Because you need to be numb. Because why? You just need to be numb. You right. don't want to feel. Feeling means you hurt. Right. So this carried on from 10 to mm. early middle adulthood. Yeah, late, later adulthood. I think I was in my 30s. Okay. It got worse. Yeah, you escalate. Yeah. You, you know, the pain doesn't go away, so you have to increase what you use, what you do, just to stay numb. It's about staying numb. You didn't want to feel. You don't want to feel... But you said you did want to feel yet too, right? You, it's weird. It, you, you don't want to feel hurt. You don't want to feel unloved. You don't want to feel neglected. But you want to 
have somebody just love you. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you uh, tell us how this change started to happen? Well, um, I had a sister that came to the house. I don't remember for what, but she came to the house. Deb, right? It's Teresa. Oh, Teresa. Deb's wife. Deb PF. Okay. Um, okay, so they... Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's pretty <laughs> Um, she came to the house. Uh, she came downstairs in our basement and saw what we were doing. Went home, talked to um, her neighbor, who was a good Christian. Said, what do I do? How do I help? Um, she called the Sheboygan police station and talked to an undercover narcotics officer who spent about an hour and a half of his personal time on duty talking to her and said, just have them come to our church. I mean, you know, technically it could have been a huge bust, but he didn't. He had compassion and said, if they could just come to our church. So that's what she did. She spent six weeks coming home or coming to our house every Sunday, taking us to church, um, spending time with us, just talking, praying. And you have shared this to me with like all of your siblings. Our holy rollers. Well, they are now, but they were also <laughs> They were them, were. yeah. So they've all been changed. So you, you said your sister invited you to church, and then that's when here, I believe. Yeah, we, we spent six weeks. So we went from different churches um, just to see what fit for us. Um, we came here. I was in a right church, you know. I mean, when you're not walking with Jesus, church is church, really. Um, but we came back here, and then um, I don't so know you what. Didn't want to stay. Um, you didn't no, want to no, it's just uncomfortable. Things you have to deal with, your junk. Um, but pastor was preaching. Um, my sister had some elders come around us and pray for us, and the worship pastor took us into his office and um, gave us the salvation prayer, asked if, if we wanted to accept Christ. We did as a family. Mm-hmm. And we've been here since. Been better since, but it wasn't an easy road, right? There's been... Because you shared with me when, it, when <clears throat> we were... When you're sharing your testimony before, just God doesn't show you everything. No, he's, yeah. He slowly um, brings things to your attention, things you need to work on, issues you have. Mm-hmm. They're not always easy. A lot of times they're painful. Mm-hmm. Just dealing with the past and the hurts, but you are in a much different place than you were. Yeah, it's the first time you ever, um, you just feel whole inside. There's just a part of you that feels complete for the first time. 
there was so much more. And I have to agree with when he was up here and just said, man, if I hadn't waited as many years as I did, because I had kids that had to grow up with my junk, which meant now they carry baggage too. Yeah, but now you are a light to them. Yeah, it's different. You and Steve both. Yeah, yeah, it's different. God has really changed you, and now you are, like, they grew up with some of that stuff and that baggage, but you can see the evidence of you guys. Your lives have been changed, and you are, you're sowing into them Mm -hmm. now. We do for our grandkids now. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we weren't able to give our kids because we were just messes. So, you know, we try to talk Jesus to him, you know, show him who he is, love him. Mm-hmm. Any going back? Hmm? Any going back? No. 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 God's good, isn't he? Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Give her a hand. That's really weird. Transformed lives. That's the evidence. And you know, there are so many more stories like theirs all throughout this congregation. People grew up in different places. You know, Liz has a incredible story and Don and so many uh, like we all have got a story and God has changed all of us and so you may be here just as an Easter thing I, I don't know but you're not here by chance God has a purpose for your life and there's a reason that you're here. And so the, the church thing to do would be to pray with me a salvation, a sinner's prayer. And we might do that sometimes. But what I want to do is we are going to go on with the service. But after we're done, if you want to meet God, if you want to look for this life change I want him to work in you. I'm going to invite you to come up after service, and we're going to have some people who can pray with you and tell you all about this. Because the truth is, one prayer, just saying it and getting it done, is not going to do anything. And I think that's a mistake that we've made as a church a lot of times, is because we think, we say a prayer, we're in, we're done, we're good. But there's no life change, there's no repentance. And we just go on our merry way. And I think I would be doing a disservice to you if we did that today. But I'm going to invite you when we're done here to, uh, we'll sing a song at the end, but I'll invite you at the end. And if you want to come up and meet Jesus, maybe for the first time, I'm going to give you that chance, all right? But why don't we pray right now? Heavenly Father, God, you are so amazing. And Lord, hearing these testimonies of these lives these people that were in darkness and are now in light is, it's so encouraging. It's so good to see how you work in people. Some of the things that we take for granted, some of the places that we've been that we've forgotten about. But God, I thank you 
that you love us so much that you came down, that Jesus came down to die for us, to take the weight of our sin upon himself so that we could have life, we could have freedom and hope of a resurrection to come. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room that maybe they're just going through the motions. Maybe they're not experiencing the fullness of a life with you transformed into the image of Christ. God, I pray that you would, that your spirit would just minister to them right now and you would call them home. I pray that you would do a work in their heart. Do a work in all of us, Lord, as we prepare to leave here and celebrate Easter. Let's really celebrate Easter and what you've done, all the amazing things that you've done. So God, we just pray that you'd have your way in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, I'm Bill. Hey, we're going to um, continue worship. What an awesome Sunday this is. What an awesome God we serve. And as the ushers now receive our gifts of um, tithes and offerings, I just want to focus on um, something this morning. We're celebrating. This is a day of thanksgiving. Our God lives. He's risen. And we have something to rejoice in. So I'd like to read, if I could, Psalm 100. Psalm 100 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. We're now going to continue with song. And I'd like to just transition to the song. Psalm 126, the first three verses says, When the Lord brought back the captive, the captive ones of Zion, we were like those of, who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Please stand with me as we sing great things he has done. 